why is it that we as black folks don't want to accept nepotism? And I understand that. And I'm asking you because like you said, you didn't, you wanted to earn it. If you know what you knew now, and let's just say it was the other way around where your brother did get that opportunity, knowing what you know now, would you have accepted it? Easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. Like if, 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 if knowing what I know now, I would have been, I, w- I would have had a couple years in the NBA. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We were, I would have I would have worked it. We all know 2020 was a challenging year. Uh, it was so challenging. That's the reason why I needed a break from doing this podcast. So welcome to the official opening of season three. For everybody out there, I appreciate you tuning in. There was some positives in 2020. One was something happened that you if you would have told me this 10 years ago no way i would have believed you and that is i was able to connect with one of my favorite nba players siblings in fact uh he's become a good friend of mine and that is my guest on today's show the one and only daniel artest ladies and gentlemen daniel like his brother ron former nba champion and former defensive player of the year is a basketball player but for daniel his basketball career went in a different direction he also played overseas and now he's podcasting on his own podcasting network his own media company 265 media so today's show we get a chance to talk about that and yeah, we do talk about the fact that he is Ron's brother. And one of the things that you'll listen to, you'll hear him open up about some of the things he's dealt with in life and how podcasting has been therapy. And he also talks about Malice in the Palace, that infamous night when Ron's Indiana Pacers got into it with the Detroit Pistons. We finally get to hear a sibling perspective. So, ladies and gentlemen, tune in, get ready. Here's my conversation with Daniel Artest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the line today as we kick off season three of Other Mind. Oh, man, it's, we just met a few months ago via these social media waves during the uh, unfortunate pandemic that we're in right now. But uh, he does the Daniel R. Test podcast. He is the CEO of 265 Media, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. I've uh, been on his show quite a few times, especially during the NBA playoffs and the uh, NBA finals. And even at night when my Lakers won the championship, you know, I was able to celebrate with this brother. And that's the one and only, the good brother himself, Daniel Artest. What's up, bro? Hey man, what's going on? Thank you for having me. And don't forget you was on during election time too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Um, how you feeling, man? Man, despite the circumstances, I'm doing well. You know, um, this pandemic has caused a lot of things for me personally, but um, you know, I'm just podcasting and, and just and just keeping my mind on on the things that that matters to me man you know just staying out the way man yeah i hear that you know um people for i mean obviously if they didn't do their research before uh watching the show or they didn't read the description they uh may not know so we, we can yes he is true he is the brother of world champion meta world peace meta uh, is meta artists uh, I, your brother changed his name to me. He's one of my top 10 favorite players of all time, Ron Artest. Um, <laughs> what, what, what's his name now? I know you say you still call him Ron. I still call him Ron, but um, his name is Meta Sandy Ford Artest. And actually, Ron is, as is considered today, a two time NBA champion. Uh, Lakers gave him a ring. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome. Um, so you know, it counts. He said it counts. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, absolutely. How, so how did that happen? Well, we, you know, because you just that, like, I'm curious. Um, I, they they called him and said, "Hey, man, uh, we got a ring for you." Oh. And so that that was really like he really he was actually pretty shocked and stuff. So he told me this about like three weeks ago, and he got the same exact ring. He just posted it on social media. 
Um, so just go check that out. And I, I asked him, I was like, are you going to count it towards the collection? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you're a two-time champion now with a Defensive Player of the Year award. You got to get some consideration for the Hall of Fame now, brother. <laughs> you cannot tell the history of the game without him. Um, but basketball is the reason that we know him. And you were a basketball player. I remember reading the article and a huge shout out to your brother because I could tell the bond because there's so many quotes out there with him talking about how you was just as good as him. And then I think I even read one, he might say even better. Um, when did you start picking up the ball? Was, was it watching him or other people in the neighborhood growing up? Cause you grew up in New York. Um, when did you uh, turn to the love of basketball? Um, it was, it was, it wasn't like, watching him play and stuff because he's, he's three years older than me so he was outside before I was um but I was I started playing basketball because I like Hakeem Olajuwon he Hakeem Olajuwon had this um this VHS tape and um this was before he won the championship and I used to just watch the the tape out um all the time repeatedly and then I go outside and practice on a jungle gym that's how I learned how to play basketball I learned how to play basketball in a jungle gym in it on a trash can, you know? So I'm doing his moves, his up and unders, his his fadeaway jump shots and everything like that. And um, my love for the game just started growing from growing from there. Then when I trans transferred onto a basketball court, you know, it, it just it just um it just took over my life. <laughs> yeah. And so when did you you know you played in high school a little bit, right? I never played in high school. Okay, you didn't. Go, all right, I, I know you played in college. Yes. Um, what was that like? I know you you said that, you know, you was very honest about, um, you know, your behavior kind of dictated where you went to school. Um, but what was the college game like for you? Um, the college game was it was fun, you know, just like not having the experience of playing high school basketball. So when I went in there, I went in there with like I'm not going to say deer in the headlights um, in a bad way. Like for most people, I was just like more, more like deer in the headlights, like. I didn't know what to expect, you know? And I, I realized like I was pretty good after my first game, I had 22 points and nine rebounds in, in my first college game, my first organized game pretty much. And it was just like, I, I just rolled that wave the entire season. It, it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah, now what was it, you're, um, if anybody follows you on social media, they know that's your um, MO is you love the rebounding, you, you know, and playing that defense. And being that, you know, uh, a shorter but uh, toughest, probably one of the toughest forwards out there for your height. How have you? How are you able to do that? Um, you know, watching watching um those Hakeem Olajuwon things, man, and then working on my footwork. So no matter what size I was, whether you know, um, I'm a, I'm a six three power forward center. I always had amazing footwork and foot speed, and um athletic ability as well. So and re and real strong. So once I seal you. There's no way you can just out jump me or, or, or out strength me and box me out. You know, it was from 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 the beginning of time since I started playing basketball, it's always been like that. So and also knowing that, you know, basketball, you know, is a game of is, is an IQ game, basically, basically, you know, so I know that 80 percent of the rebounds always are below the rim. So I'm below the rim. All I got to do is just get position. And I was good. So that's how I, um, you know, was able to be successful. At, at the game at my at my height. Okay. Now you had a couple of NBA trials too, right? Yes, I had one with the Lakers in 2009 and I had one with the Sacramento Kings in 2007. Okay. Now can you talk about those experiences? Yeah, so the Sacramento experience was cool. Um I think I think that it could have been a little bit better if the coaches was more on board of having a brother of an NBA player on there like um they kind of felt like I was taking a roster spot from a, a certain agent's player. And I kind of, and I, and I personally thought like, Hey, I was in the gym at five 30 in the morning to 1130 in the morning working out on my game. So I kind of felt like I earned the spot. Um, you know, and before it was funny because before I actually took the spot, I asked Ron, I was like, Hey man, like, did you do this for me? Because if you did, I don't want to take it. You know what I'm saying? Because basketball is still a results-based thing. This is not like business or whatever. I could get a job and go work in the corporate world. I still got to put in a res I still got to put in the work. And then when he said no, this was them because they seen you working out in the gym and they wanted to give you a shot. 
And I was like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? So I took it and it was fun, but a lot of people thought, you know, it was, it was like a nepotism thing. The coaching staff really didn't, you know, mess with me. So like that first experience of NBA summer league, I just spent it doing what normal NBA players do. And I, you know what I mean? I, to be perfectly honest, you know, um, I went to college in Las Vegas, you know, at that, um, when, I went to college in Las Vegas. So I met up with some old friends, some old flames and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like it was back, man, listen, when I tell you I enjoyed the fruits of the labor, like I, like I made it to the league with that and that during that summer league, I did. Once the, the coaches didn't care, I was just like, all right, this is what it is. I go to practice and I, I do my thing and, 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 you know, go to the games. And if I played in the game, I played. If not, I wasn't tripping about it and stuff. I was, you know, it, it is what it is. But the Lakers, you know what I mean? The tryout with the Lakers, it was, it was more fun. You know what I mean? They, um, they asked me, you know what I mean? One of the Lakers brass asked me to um, try out. So I did, it was cool. It was cool to see like, you know, team players like Mustafa Shakur, who I, you know, saw, you know, as a kid, well, not as a kid, but like, you know, just growing up in the high school ring, just him just hooping and stuff. So it was actually cool to see him up, up close, you know, Adam Morrison, I got to see Adam Morrison up close, you know, he still had the, the high skill level, Alan Anderson, you know what I mean? Him and Adam Morrison was going at it. They almost got into a fight in um in the summer league practices and stuff it, it was it was it was cool so like the lakers it was more it was more respect for the lakers than the sacramento kings even though like i got cut by the lakers you know and i it, it, was, it was it was everything was all respectful so you know I, I was happy with that now you brought up nepotism man and i know we're gonna talk media stuff later but it brings me to you know i used to work at espn and mm. during my time there i worked on Mike and Mike for about what was it, seven months. Shout out to my producer, Seth Horowitz. And I saw Mike Golick, you know, I saw his work ethic. You know, I had an opportunity to have a couple conversations with him. Like he's not gonna remember me, um, but I had a couple conversations with him. And one time he was off, I think, or maybe Junior had came in. And now we know Junior is on TV and mm -hmm. A lot of people thought, well, you know, it's nepotism. But and I remember, like, Junior was good. Like, what you see on TV, shout out to Shanae Gumake, who's uh, one of my favorite analysts and uh, basketball minds. Uh, but I wonder, why is it that we as Black folks don't want to accept nepotism? And I understand that. And I'm asking you because, like you said, you didn't, you wanted to earn it. If you know what you knew now, and let's just say it was the other way around where your brother did get that opportunity. Knowing what you know now, would you have accepted it? Easily. Okay. Easily. Like if, 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 if knowing what I know now, I would have been, I, I would have had a couple of years in the NBA. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We would, I would have, I would have worked it. You know what I mean? So like I had, that's the, you know what you, that's a great question you asked about black people and nepotism, man. I guess think that we, we, we take that term, get it out the mud too personal, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I feel like that, you know, other races, they don't do that. It's handed to them. They do it, they build it up for their kids and stuff, for their brothers and, you know, they want everything all in the family and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I think that we need to adopt that type of mindset too, cause we too scattered around anyway. You know what I mean? Like even how we came to America, we all, all over the place. You know what I'm saying? We don't have no type of sense of community in the, in the black community. We're trying though, we're working at it, but you know, it, it could be a little bit better, but yeah, like now, I wish I wish that I would have took all that nepotism that came to me back in them days. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Are you planning a huge celebration and perhaps you need some balloons to make your event look nice? Well, I have the perfect place for you and a symphony of balloons. Symphony of balloons will do all events, including baby showers, weddings, birthday parties or that special anniversary. Contact them today at 410-802-1531 or email them at symphonyofballoons at gmail.com and tell them Brian H. Waters sent you. Um, one of my favorite pictures that you posted was the picture with you and as you call it, the Larry O'Bean. Uh, can you talk about that night you when your brother won his first championship and what that meant to you? You know, obviously, you know, y'all being close, uh, you were there. What was it like? You take people, you know, back to that night. Yeah, so that it was crazy because that was my first Lakers game, you know, that I <laughs> went to that year. 
And um, because I, you know, I mean, I was working in Indianapolis, and so you know, just just doing the normal work and stuff. And as the the playoffs is getting further and further, I'm like, hold on, they can actually go to finals, man. Hold on, let me um, let me get some time off for the job just in case, you know. What I mean, so when the NBA finals came, you know, I was still working and watching the games and talking to Ron at the end of the games, and you know, what I mean, then I asked my boss once Game Six hit, you know, what I, mean? I was like, yeah, if they win this, can I go to Game Seven? He was like, no. I was like, okay, I'm going anyway. <laughs> He's like, well, you're gonna lose your job if you go. I'm like, okay, I'll find another one. You know what I mean? I was working in a warehouse um back then. So I was like, you know, warehouses come a dime and a dozen when it comes to those type of jobs. And I was like, ah, I'll be good, whatever, it's nothing. So I get the game seven, you know what I mean? I get out there and then like the fans, they see me, and, you know, they know me from Twitter because back then that was my old Twitter page when I had like 25, 26,000 followers. So I was, you know what I mean? I was pretty known and <laughs> Like they seen me and they just like mobbed me. And I was just like, I feel like I was hype playing the game. I get my ticket, I go in, the atmosphere was different. And like, you know, it was just, it was just crazy. Like all the stars was there, like everybody, it was crazy, right? So the game started, I'm watching the game like this the entire time, man, with my hands over my face. I'm watching the game like that. Cause it was just like, you know, if you remember the game, it was a lot of missed shots. Then the Lakers go down 13 points. But at the same time, I'm checking my phone, looking at the stats on my phone. And I'm like, oh man, all right, the Lakers are just out-rebounding them by an astronomical number. Okay, cool. All the Lakers got to do is keep playing what they, keep doing what they got to do. And they kept scoring off offensive rebounds. And then they started locking down on the Celtics on defense. And then it, it, was, it was a winnable game. So then when Ron hit the shot, man, I lost it, right? So <laughs> I get out my seat. I go to the Celtics bench. I see Ray Allen's moms and gave her like the the the, the slit throat, like it's over, <laughs> kiss of death and everything to to Ray Allen's mother, yo, for no reason at all, bro. <laughs> and then like when the championship came, like you know I was right there, man. Like when when they when they you know when the sound go off and the horn go off, I'm I'm right there on the floor, um, and I'm just waiting outside of the the tape, and I'm just on the floor. I'm just looking like, yo, this is crazy, like. I'm realizing like, this is like a real dream. Then me and Ron, we seen each other and he moved everybody out the way he came, gave me a hug and stuff like that. We were crazy crying and stuff, man. And it was just, it was just an amazing feeling. And then, you know, I was there also where he was, he gave his infamous speech at the press conferences. I was actually behind him. So I'm uh, the champagne. Let me ask you before I get there. Like the champagne in the locker room was crazy. You know what I'm saying? I, I was tipsy off the mist. That's how much champagne they was popping in there. It was crazy, man. Then, um, they left, they forgot about the trophy, right? I had the trophy like all that time and stuff. And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get into this locker room. The players are celebrating. Yo, I got the trophy. So normally they don't let, the, when the players are celebrating, they don't let family or, or anybody in. But I was in there because I had the trophy and I wasn't letting the trophy go. I'm like, yo, what this trophy, man? Listen, I got to go up in there. You know what I'm saying? So I gave them the trophy and we just, we just went crazy that night, man. It was just like crazy. And another thing too, normally when you leave an NBA game and you're a player, you're taking your car and you're going out the ramp, out the dock or whatever. This dude, Ron, me, Ron, we all left and my family, we all left with the fans. We walked out of the stadium, out of Staples wow. Center, taking the steps out the seats and we walked out of the front of the, of the Staples Center. That was crazy, man. That was, that was, it was just a surreal moment. Then we went to go eat dinner and I gave a speech. It was like really emotional and stuff like that. Just like, you know, it was just a surreal moment. Like something like, you know, as a fan, as a fan of basketball, you know, we'd be happy when our teams win the championship, but to experience on, on that side, I was, it was like, besides my kids being born, that was one of the greatest nights of my entire life right there. See, and, and man, you gave me chills. So there's actually a video on Facebook the night they won. Because, you know, like I told you, I'm a diehard Laker fan. So there's a reaction video. And this is at a time when before social media videos are the way that they are. And like, it's on my old computer, my webcam looked busted. I got like a little microphone. And every time on that particular day, I don't know, I forgot. It's my boy Carlos' birthday. Cause that was his, baby. yeah. Then that was his 30th birthday. Uh, and he always talked about like, for him, there'll be never a greater one for them to win it that night. But there's like a reaction video and mm. Uh, now you've given me a whole like that insider information. Um, you know, uh, Ron has talked about the dream of y'all two playing together. Um, did y'all ever had that discussion growing up or was you surprised when you saw it in a quote? 
Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I remember he said that to a Newsday reporter when they did a big article on me. And he said that I was surprised. And then I actually worked my butt off to try to make it happen. And then he ended up going to China. And for some reason, I ended up playing in China too. But we didn't play. We didn't play on the same team. We was on different teams. But you know what I mean? I was still out there when he was out there. So that was that was actually pretty fun. I wish, I wish it would have happened. Um, it only happened like on a street ball level and stuff like that. But you know, on a professional level, it would have maybe, maybe, maybe it still can. You know what I mean? Like um, I've decided recently I'm gonna start working out again, getting myself back in shape um, for my 40th birthday. And I want to play professional basketball. I want to be a professional basketball player one more time for my 40th birthday. So would you, know you play I mean? for the big play in the big three? Um, yeah, if I, if I get in enough condition for it, yeah, I could play pretty, you put me anywhere I play. There's no problem. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of their games? Uh, nah, I don't really love, I don't watch basketball like that. Like sometimes, like even when I podcast, I don't watch uh, like a lot of basketball like that. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? It was, it was cool from what I've seen though, but I didn't really watch it as much as I should have. So they, um, uh, remember, you know, I told you about NABJ. Yes. NABJ Sports has like a deal because last year in Miami, well, now two years ago in Miami, they came down at Ice Cube and the, um, his co his business partner. So, you know, shout out to Ashley Baker, her and I, we got a chance to meet his business partner. They gave, well, they gave everybody in ABJ sports uh, tickets and credentials. So mm -hmm. that was a game where like Nate Robinson hit the game winning shot. It was in Miami. It was amazing. I posted on my Twitter feed and like, that was my first time. That was the first time my wife, she went with me and she went to the game as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was real cool, you know, and I was just wondering like, you know, would you see yourself, you know, doing that? What, media credential? Oh, man, please. No, it, well, the big three, but, you know, that's the thing with NABJ. Like I said, you're in this media world. As much as you sometimes, you I know you'll, and we'll get into that later, but you're a <laughs> part of us, bro. Uh, but, you know, that's an opportunity down the line, you know. Um, now, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about your career in China. Like, how, what was it like going over there, learning the language, or did you have a translator? You know, it's a whole different lifestyle. We're not talking a different state. We're talking a different country. So what was that like? Well, first, the flight was crazy long. It was a, it was a straight through flight for 17 hours. So that was different, you know. Um, and then I only slept like, what, a little bit over half of the flight. So I was up for a little minute on there and I was just freaking out because I'm like, are we really over this Pacific Ocean and the Bering Sea? And I'm like, oh, my God, like when something happened, I was like, oh, man, it was crazy. But um, when we got there, so we was there on a tour for like six weeks with Tracy McGrady. And um, so we got, it was more of a celebrity type of feel. Like you actually in the NBA, like the fans was there. I guess they must've been new when I was coming because I had like a crazy ovation everywhere I went. You know what I'm saying? So that was actually pretty cool, you know? And um, it was, it was just, it was, it was amazing from the people, you know what I mean? From, from the food, you know what I mean? They had some weird food out there, all the myths of, of Chinese food out there with the whole dogs and stuff like that. All of that's true, by the way. You know, I didn't know. I seen it myself and I said, what? One of my team was like, yeah, man, I got to try this, man. Because and he did it. And I said, dog, like you tripping. But, you know, but the, the thing about China that shocked me the most was when we went to um to North China, like basically like near like Mongolia or something like that. They had dark Chinese people. That right there just blew my mind. And I was just like, what? They got Chinese people with like nappy hair. They got a guy with an afro like you. You know what I'm saying? And that that bugged me out, and you know, and also like the the uh, the communism out there in China, you know, just how it is really state control. That's a really uh, state controlled place, you know. Like you go and you look at the TV, they got CCTV one, CCTV two, CCTV three, all the way up, whatever. Where we got you know ABC, CBS, you know, you know a lot of individuality in our cable channel network. You know, and I was talking to the people. A lot of them speak some good English, actually. There's a lot of Americans out there, too, as well, um, for education. So a lot of them was really, they, they was against, you know, the communism, how it is. They was like, man, you got a lot of freedom in America. Because at first I was like, you know, America is this, America is that, man. You don't want to go there. And then they was telling me about their experience, you know, being in China. And I'm like, wow, like, it's funny because it makes you makes you appreciate this country even more. Even though this country's all messed up and stuff, at least you still have your your freedoms, quote. Um, you know, so China was definitely a different experience. Um, as far as on the court, it was really physical. It was fun. You know, I, 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 I got to play against some, some really good players like Al Harrington, um, you know, um, not Stephon Marbury, but I got to play against like, um, Gary Irvin, 
um, Ike Diago, um, Bobby Brown, a lot of good basketball players and stuff like that. So it was fun. Charles Charles Gaines had an uh, um, he's a, a player. I forgot where he's from, but all I know is I had to guard him after he scored sixty points and had twenty eight rebounds the game before he played against me. And like I got on the court and I I, I kind of like held him down to like four points when I was guarding him, you know what I mean? So that was fun. And Trace McGrady nicknamed me the Locks because I always had to guard the other American big men. And I was shutting them down and stuff like that. So they called me Locks. They gave me that nickname Locks. I throw the lock locked up sign. So that was pretty cool. And um, you know, but China, China was China was dope. I think the league could be better if they actually let Chinese players go play in Europe. You know what I mean? They need a better developmental system. They just let the good Chinese players go play overseas. Because if you ever notice, you ever go look at these European games, there's no Chinese players on the rosters. All their players play in that league against against each other. So there's no real de- development there. Hopefully, you know, China open up the doors. They seem like they are because they got Stefan Marbury as a head coach. He's the heck only foreign head coach in Chinese basketball history because every all the foreign coaches that go over there and coach are all assistant coaches. So and Stefan Marbury is a head coach there. So you know, um it was it was like I said it was a dope experience and I would and I would do it again. They they overpaid and that was so that was fun. <laughs> so yeah it was dope. Yeah that's that's pretty cool man. Um yeah like you you brought up you know an opportunity for them to go to Europe. Uh why Europe is like and you know why why that country um you know you think about it uh, all right so since the inception i could have said the nba yeah but since the inception of the nba only um a little bit under 4800 people played in the nba this entire 75 year existence so that's you know i mean that's that number is like you know that's like one of the lotto going to the league but it's millions of other players that's playing all over the world you know what i mean europe is you know home of the you know top if you know top leagues in the world Along with, uh, along with um, Australia too, you know? So just get these players this other experience, playing against other players, getting coached by other coaches and stuff and just experiencing, you know, the life. And I think that is it's, it's more out there for Chinese people to play basketball and stuff, you know? But, you know, I guess there's not a lot of good basketball players in China or, well, not a lot of good Chinese born basketball players that are playing in that China league. So they don't want all the good players to just leave because then where's the other players at? They just got to do a better job with player development out there. Okay. So now you uh, transition. Uh, now you, we have the Daniel Artest podcast. What led you to get into podcasting? Um, Because to be quite honest with you, you know, I used to watch the first takes and the Shannons and skips and stuff like that. And I just kind of like, you know, like that. Well, it's other two shows like The Herd. Shout out to Joy Taylor. You know what I'm saying? But no shade at the same time. These shows, a lot of these shows focus on the stuff outside of the game instead of what's going on in the game. So I feel like I don't learn nothing. And all these like these crazy hot takes on basketball that's just ruining the game. Not everybody has a hot take. And um, I mean, I understand you can have a hot take sometimes. Sometimes I even have a hot take and stuff or whatever. But it's just, it's just, I feel like I'm not learning nothing at the end of the day. So I just decided to just create a show where I can, you know, where I can teach, you know, people the game of basketball by sharing my experiences. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things that like, I, for me, most, I understand that a lot of those people with the hot takes, like your Stephen A's, your Skip Bayless, I start with them. They were, you know, journalists like Stephen Mm A you know, was a crime reporter. Skip Bayless covered the Bulls. You know, I was a little disappointed that he wasn't on the last dance because he was there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I understand they, un, you know, understand the art of covering a team. I think for me, the stuff that gets annoying is, like you said, the hot takes. Like, what happened to just talking about the game? Like, if you ever noticed, the reason why I always like coming on your show because it's not so much a, we got a debate. Like, I don't have to say yeah. my point to get listen to your point so I can counter that it's literally a conversation about basketball and I, I mentioned this before I would go on the Daniel R test podcast on YouTube for those who are not uh familiar go on YouTube mm-hmm. you can find it and after the game I would sit there with my TV all right cool game over let me turn to YouTube and hear y'all talking next thing you know yo come on the show I'm like 
Chelsea. <laughs> All right, cool. You know, and then sometimes I couldn't come on, but I would just listen and watch it because you know that's the that was the beauty about growing up. The next day in school, you watch your game, you watch your team, you go to school, talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, and to me, that's what that gave me that feel like I get a chance to talk about it. Um, what's been some of your wins you feel like as being a podcaster? My wins? Mm-hmm. Um, my wins is just being consistent, to be honest with you, you know, because what they say, um, what, 90% of people don't don't get past five shows or something like that. So I guess being being just being consistent is, is one of the wins. Also, knowing that my show is growing, um, it's been, you know, over 13, or almost 14,000 downloaded. And, you know, my live streams, I have almost um, 450,000 live viewers, you know what I mean, in eight months. So I know that it's growing. Being able to even book Jamel Hill on the show was was awesome. You know what I'm saying? So I know that I'm making some type of progress. So I know that it's a win from for, for me. I know a lot of people, you know, shows vary. You know what I'm saying? So but I'm just I'm just proud of how I how serious I take the shows and stuff. And yeah, you know, everybody was invited to come on the live shows after we, when we was doing the post game stuff because, you know, um, everybody has an opinion and everybody wants to say their opinion without 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 being, you know, getting a debate it didn't have to be a debate that's why i created that post game show because i wanted it like that you know what i mean and i just wanted to you know talk to my favorite podcasters like so if you was ever on my show i'm um you you know i listen to your your work and i like what you say and you know i mean that 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 matters to me you know so um I, I haven't done a live post post game show in a while because clubhouse kind of took over everything for me and stuff like you know just just trying to just you know up the show visually for season two, um, up the audio and everything like that. So I haven't done no live shows, but you know, now that you brought it up, I'm gonna get right, I'm gonna get back into it now and stuff. So, you know, just, you know, be out, look, be on the lookout for the future. And if, you know I mean? You wanna come talk basketball? Listen, you got one shot with me. You know what I'm saying? Once you, once you best up, I ain't inviting you back on and stuff like that. Your takes is crazy, but you could definitely come on. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, what, uh, yeah. Um, you brought up Clubhouse. Um, how is that? platform been helpful to you um clubhouse has been helpful for me because now it wants me to create another podcast so you know i got the daniel hs podcast i got another podcast that i do called x versus x sports where i interview athletes you know what i mean on that app and now i'm creating a third podcast that has nothing to do with sports just talking about random stuff you know, because there's a bunch of people with podcasters on Clubhouse. And then when I was introducing myself on their platforms and stuff, they was sending me information because they got a podcast. Now they want to do a show, but I'm not doing a show that's like, you know, not basketball on a basketball podcast. I know I've done it before, but I really stopped doing it, you know. Um, so now I'm going to create a whole new different show where I, we can talk about all of that stuff. You know, what I mean, maybe other non-basketball thing that's on my mind I want to talk about like what's going on with this country right now and everything like that so you know Clubhouse helped me it's, it's going to help me be more versatile you know what I mean broaden my horizons with, with with podcasts and stuff yeah I think that's really cool man um you know like I said I know this ain't easy I've been doing uh podcasting and shows for 11 years the wrestling around being um 10 years old in the brand within itself and making sure, you know, separating the content. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of people and people say, hey man, I wanna start a podcast. I said, all right, cool. So what do you wanna do? You know, people say, I want people to listen to me. I said, well, first off, figure out, you know, do it because you enjoy it. You yeah. know, some people don't, they just see a, a quick, they think it's a quick money grab, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, do it because you enjoy it and then move on. And, you know, it helps. Um, one of the shows that I uh, really enjoyed, you had Al Horford's sister. Forgive me, her name escapes me at this moment. Anna Horford. Anna, Anna Horford. And y'all talked about being siblings of NBA players. What was it, how has podcasting helped you connect with, people like yourself and people like Anna, you know, other siblings in, of the, uh, the uh, NBA players. 
Um, you know, I just reached out to them and I just realized that we all share the same type of story and stuff like that. You know what I mean? From, from the social media thing, like if your brother having a bad game, then you're, they just going to vent to you about, about it or whatever, you know what I mean? The threats and everything. And Anna, what I like about Anna, she reminds me of myself because she answers everybody head on. And, um, you know, she don't, she don't, she don't take no, she don't take no mess. So you talk to her one way, she going to talk to you right back. So and so when we did the show, if you know, obviously we know we we mesh, we had a connection on the show because of of our um type of parallel parallel thing. But um, you know, I mean, I, I reached out to to more NBA um players, you know, siblings and everything. Um, I reached out to Ben Simmons' sister. We're gonna do a show in the next couple of weeks and everything. Um, I reached out to actually, I met Westbrook's brother on Clubhouse actually, and um, you know, hoping hoping to get him on a podcast too as well, because um, we, we had a really nice conversation about, um, you know, just, just being the brothers and, you know, trying to, you know, navigate this world, but, you know, on our own, on our own merits, instead of, you know what I mean? I, the names and everything, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? It, it, that, that's, that's the fun part about, about, you know, talking to the siblings and stuff like that. I also have Al Harrington's brother coming on the show too. We're going to talk about it. He'd been on my show before, but we never, we didn't talk about, you know, what we're going to talk about now with this um new little mini series I'm, I'm gonna have yeah now how hard is it um you brought up being on social media and you know people who try to come with that smoke we seen a few years ago on christmas somebody was willing to drive to fight somebody because of their takes on kobe um and that person i don't know maybe they did maybe they didn't never met kobe bryant in their life um but you somebody you shared a house with you share a last name with somebody that's your blood how hard is it you not to want to cl not clap back in those type of situations um no nah, I'm, I'm always there for the clap back man it's fun you know what i'm saying a lot of people take it really serious mm -hmm. you know what i mean when it comes to this fan stuff like now once it gets to like disrespectful when you threaten somebody you know life and stuff like that in the dm that's when it's like it gets kind of like weird yeah. But for the most part, like the clapping back stuff is, is, is fun and stuff. And it's funny because I had to, I actually ran down on some play on some of those people in Staples Center one day. Oh, they were like, man. Man, this is my, this is my, um, they, they, they come up to me, right? This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I always do my little fact checks. So what it is, is like, um, cause a lot of them be in the DMs talking crazy. So, you know, this is what's your name. I'm like, you know, this is such and such from Twitter and stuff. I'm like, like, hold on, let me see your name. And then I Google the name and like not Google the name, but you know, do the Twitter, Twitter search, search yeah. with their name and my name and <laughs> all right, you cool, you cool, you ain't say nothing crazy. But one of them did, and I ran them down in the staple center. So what I did was I had a family pass. So when you get the family pass, you can invite, you know, I mean people down there with you and stuff like that. So I was like, oh yeah, let's go to the family room and stuff. Took them a different way where there's no cameras or nothing that and I had to give them a nice little tune-up inside of the Staples Center and stuff like that. Then, you know, we went, we went back to the game. He was a good sport, man. He took the ass whooping, but he didn't tell nobody. Dang. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to tune him up real quick, man. Like, yo, you don't, you don't talk like that. Or all that crazy, all that crazy stuff like that. Then you think I ain't gonna remember or whatever. Like, yeah, he took wow, it though. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody say nothing like that. Uh, certainly not here or breaking through glasses. Wanna take a quick minute to talk about mental health. As you all know, we are living in unprecedented times, whether it's the racial pandemic or the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I wanna introduce you to Hope Again Counseling Services, where transformation begins. Hope Again provides help for children, adolescents, adults, family, and couples. So give them a call at 410-698-8445. Four, two, or visit them on the web at yourhopeagain.com to book your appointment. If you are willing to believe, you will begin to achieve and ultimately Hope Again Counseling Services can help you receive all that is meant for you. So what do you think it would have been like? So like every year, the mouse in the palace that comes up. Oh, yeah. Do you stay off Twitter on that day or do you? Because nah, I don't stay off Twitter. I just ignore it. Because you know, I, I so talk about it. I, I know I'm biased. Like I said, I ain't just saying this. Like anybody who knows me knows that, you know, your brother is like one of my top 10 favorite basketball players. Like, oh, as we say in basket, uh, wrestling, mark out. So one time he followed me and it was because I was watching like his documentary. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, Metal World Peace followed me. And 
I always looked at it like if somebody land on the table, minding their business, and then you throw something at what else, what would you do? You know, I've heard like Steven Jackson talk about it. And, you know, but like, how do you deal with like, do you like, you know, because like I say it comes up every year. Yeah, so like I never really talk about it, but I, I, I'll talk about it like with you because you're my guy. You know what I mean? But um, I appreciate like, that. When the mouse on the, like like this past anniversary of the mouse of the palace, I didn't talk about it. I just did a podcast with Anna Horford. That's all I did. <laughs> that was that day. I don't. I didn't talk about it. I brought it up a little bit and stuff like that because she went through her thing. You know what I'm saying with with the Celtics fans. So I kind of brought it up and then we talked about you know what I mean like from our you know from our review when people would be like that. But my, my views on the Mallows of the Palace is that it had to happen. Like, I get it. These players make a lot of money and this, that, and the other, but they're still human, okay? Anybody, come on, you throw you throw a drink in anybody's face, whether they're laying down and stuff, you deserve to get whatever happened to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, my brother, he's, he's a stronger man than me. You know what I mean? Him and the guy, John Green, they, they're cool now and stuff, you know what I mean? They call each other and they talk to each other and stuff from what you, you know, seen in the documentary, but I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even, I don't even wanna see John Green. I don't know what I would do to him. You know what I'm saying? Because you gotta understand something like, like my brother and I, like we, we have this bond and stuff, right? You know, like my basketball, streetball nickname in Rucker Park is called the Guardian because I had to put hands on my teammates when I was playing against basket when I was playing basketball against Ron in the same game for doing a dirty basketball play on Ron. So I had to put hands on him, and then that's how my my name, the Guardian, came about. You know what I'm saying? So like when it comes to like am I my brother's keeper? Like you know what I mean? I lived that to the core. So being not being there during the malice and stuff, and just seeing it on TV when the guy was punching him like. Like I feel like the John Green guy, you know, what I mean, he got he he still got some questions. He needs he needs it needs to be answered. You know what I'm saying? Like he needs to be tuned up still. You know that's how I feel about it. You know I'm always going to feel about that. It's like what 16 years ago, and everybody Has moved it been on. 16 years. Yeah, it's been 16 wow. years. Wow. 2004. But I didn't move on from it because it was it was just it was just really foul. You don't do something like that. You know what I'm saying? You don't punch no man from or anybody from behind like that like a coward. You know what I mean? So I'm still kind of, I'm always going to be like salty about that when it comes to, when it comes to the malice situation and stuff, and, um, hey. you know, rest in peace to David Stern. I had a lot of issues with that too. Like, cause you made him and you made Ron an example and stuff like that. And then Ron was actually the year before. Now if this happened in 2003 or 2002 for that matter. I would understand because Ron was getting all those suspensions and flagrant fouls, but Ron actually was turning the leaf. You know what I'm saying? Doing whatever he had to do. And him sitting on that table was a coping mechanism to get away from all that nonsense and stuff. You know what I mean? So when it happened, you know, that was the right human reaction. People thought that Ron was still the same. And I'm like, Ron changed his attitude that whole that whole time. You know, he was more calm and stuff. He wasn't on edge a lot like he was back then. Because mind you, I was there. I was training with him the whole goddamn summer because I still was playing college basketball myself. So to to for people to just have this misconception of my brother, that bothers me. You know what I mean? They say he's crazy and this, that, and other. Like that really bothers me because that's not even true. You know, like when people try to, you know, make fun of his name and stuff, like I always had an issue with it. That's why I didn't like people like John Barry when he, you know, called them meta weird piece and stuff. I'm like, yo, first of all, not being disrespectful with this whole calling my brother crazy thing. You know what I mean? Like the art, you know, crazy artist, this, that, and the other. You know, you disrespecting my mother, you disrespecting my father, everybody that has the last name Artest. We're not, we're a good family. You know what I'm saying? We came from, we come from Queensbridge Projects or whatever. We grew up in the, you know, in the in the welfare system and stuff like that. And you know, Ron made something out of himself. And then like, it's always like, I'm gonna be real with you, man. And and I don't like when when um you know when when there's white people on the on the on the social media or on TV. And they and they characterize this man as you know they say crazy and stuff like that. Like, who are you to talk to call somebody crazy because somebody doesn't conform to the stuff that you want that you think is right? Even with the situation with Kyrie Irving right now, he's going through that. You know what I'm saying? And it really it really frustrates me that when something goes wrong, oh, he's mentally unstable. Maybe maybe in your suburban life, that's what it is with your little little Tommy and Johnny and them like that. But with us, it's different. Nobody's crazy, it's just how things are. You throw, I say it right now, you throw something in my face, I'm kicking your ass. Simple as that. 
And that's how everybody reaction should be. You don't throw nothing in nobody's face. It was beer that hit Ron or whatever. Somebody could have peed in a cup of urine or we could have been urine in a cup or something like that. But yet he got to maintain some type of, you know, you know, maturity issue or whatever, because he's a millionaire. Come on, man. Yes. Come on, please. Please. What happened? What happened when Will Smith and the guy tried to kiss Will Smith on the mouth on that video that's on YouTube? He smacked the shit out of him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the proper reaction, you know? Like, so yeah, you know, I'm so, sorry. So to- nobody never thought to blame the coach for keeping the starters in the whole game. It was you a blow. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad. See, I've never talked about this. So this is all this is all my opinion. This is all how I feel. I don't talk about this. My first time talking about this. Yeah. I feel like this. Sometimes I blame Larry Bird. Let me mm-hmm. tell you why. I blame Larry Bird because of this. He fired Isaiah Thomas. If Isaiah Thomas was still the coach of that team, that brawl would have never happened. Isaiah Thomas had that team, had that Pacers team, you know, it was locked. But no disrespect to Rich, Rick Carlisle, really good coach. But he didn't have the same type of, you know, feeling with that team. He was you know a new coach too at the time. He's a great, yeah, he's a great coach. He's a great coach. But like newer as coaching, like he's yeah. still green. In that yeah. space, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Isaiah Thomas, you know, he know how to talk to certain players. You know, what I'm saying he know how to get he know how to get to the players because he was a he was a player himself. Rick Carlisle was a player himself too, as well. But you know, what I mean, that race matters, man. You know, what I'm saying when you have a black coach that can relate to players like that, because Ron wasn't really having no outbursts with Isaiah Thomas like that. You know, what I'm saying like um, Stephen Jackson wasn't. It was all good. You know what I'm saying? It was a family, it was like a little family atmosphere thing like that. I always felt like if Isaiah Thomas was still on that team, not only the bro would have never happened, they would have won the championship. And that's that's just my honest opinion. When I say that, I don't speak for my brother. This is Daniel speaking for Daniel on that. Yeah. So whatever backlash I get from this podcast, <laughs> I'm I'm willing to take it. <laughs> that would have been interesting. You know, um, I think the thing is what well, the thing I love about this is man, because the way you are about your brother, I'm about my sister. And the difference is that I'm older, you know, but either way, because I'm pretty sure just listening to you talk and reading what I read, the articles, you know, only time I talked to your brother was like a DM after he was on Kelsey's show. Um, okay. And that's when I found you when you was on Kelsey's show. And, um, you know, the thing is, I can tell like that love and passion for each other, you know, because you're supposed to be your brother's keeper. You know, there's so many stories like Aaron Rodgers is playing this weekend and you'll hear people talk about, oh, him and his family don't get along, you know, and the thing I appreciate is like lifting as you climb. And that's one of the things you've been able to do with the Daniel Artest podcast network is lifting as you climb, right? You've helped have given people opportunities. Um, shout out to our boy, Brian A. Lyon. He was on my wrestling show and that doesn't happen without you coming on board, you know? And it's funny. I was like, I've had, I met Brian through Daniel, but Daniel don't watch wrestling. I said, we go get him on, break it through glass ceilings. Um, One of the things for me, podcasting has been, I want to ask you, for me, it's therapeutic. Has have you felt that way? That it's very therapeutic? Oh man, he about to see, I was hoping you didn't get to that question, man. So Come on, man, I'm a, I'm a pro at this. I'm about to go deep right here in this one. You know what I mean? Like, and before I get into that one, it is, I like that lift as you climb thing that you said. You know what I mean? I try to give people opportunities. So like I got my guy, Zach, from the Off the Glass podcast. And when I interview NBA players and stuff, I always ask them first, hey, you want to come on and be a co-guest with me? You know what I mean? You're a co-host with me this show when I got the NBA player. I got an interview with Andre Miller coming out. A two-part interview, actually, with Andre Miller coming that um I just got to edit it. But, you know, Zach was on the first part with me. You know what I mean? I always try to do that, especially, you know what I mean, for my, for my black people, man. You know what I'm saying? And um, everybody think that this whole podcasting thing is, is, is a competition and it's not, man. You know, nobody's making money off podcasting like that, man, unless you're Joe Rogan or something like that or Bill Simmons, which we all attain to. So, and that's another reason why I created the 265 Media because... Like all my favorite podcasts, I always, this is how I feel. And I even feel like this with you, man. I feel like like everybody that I do a podcast with that, that I like, everybody should be on 265 Media. We could build it all up together, man. And then just, you know, we sell it for a billion dollars because we, I listen to all the podcasts as much as many podcasts as I can, right? Even other people podcasts. And I'm looking at the content. I'm like, these dudes is, is loaded. You know what I'm saying? But they are not as good as the people that I listen to. And I'm not even saying that because I know y'all. 
and stuff like that. Because there's people that I know, I don't get on their show. They ask me all the time, I don't get on their show, you know? So I'm like, why not just all of us just come up together, man? Like everybody go own the same equal stake. You know what I mean? So if we make a, a billion dollars and it's 10 of us, everybody get a hundred million dollars. <laughs> just because I created the name don't mean nothing. That's how, that's how I honestly feel, man, it's time. It's time for us to really just grow something together. Nobody does that. Everybody's want to chase the bag and, and everybody's chasing their own separate bags and, and things like that. I'm like, why we just can't put our collective minds together and, 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 and grow and, and do it like that. That's why like when I have Zach on, Zach, he thinks he's, he's more, he's smarter than me when it comes to, um, you know, asking the interview questions, analyzing the game of basketball. I know that. I know my limits as a podcaster. You know, <laughs> I go off the field of the game so I can ask questions like that. I can't ask the questions that Zach can ask. That's why I wanted him on the show. And that's what makes the content even better because now, you know, like those questions is coming and they're like, oh man, Andre Miller was impressed with Zach. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, even like, even with Clubhouse, I do the, the no takes thing, you know, Sylvia Crawley was on the show, the um, basketball legend, Sylvia Crawley, North Carolina, ABL. And, um, you know, her and Zach connected on the show because of that. So it was always about connecting and pulling and pulling people up. Now, back to that question that I didn't want to answer was podcasting therapeutic. Yeah, bro. All right. So 2016, 2017, and 2018, and um, in even 2019, I tried to kill myself four different times, bro, to be 100% honest, man. I tried to commit suicide. You know what I mean? In New York, try to jump over the George Washington Bridge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been dealing with so much over these past years, man. You know, um, missing my kids. You know, I got I got one of my sons with me here in Charleston, South Carolina. And then I got three others. Um, my kids, they live in um, in Indiana and in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's hard to see them and stuff, you know what I mean? Because of, you know, just certain situations that's going on with the co-parenting and everything like that, you know? And, um, it drove me, man, to almost hurting myself. So I podcast to keep my mind off of it, to be honest, because I don't go to therapy. So I podcast to keep my mind off hurting myself all the time, bro. Like even like with life and, you know, with this COVID situation, I haven't worked the entire COVID, you know what I'm saying? So it's going on a whole year. I haven't worked, man. The only reason why I've been surviving was because of donations, you know what I mean, from Patreon, from people that support my show, from when I sell my t-shirts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's what's been really keeping me going, to be 100% honest. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, podcasting has given me, you know what I mean, a different, a, a different, um, a second wind. And it's something that I want to do. And, you know, just, you know, it's just, it's just been helping a lot, bro. And, you know, that's why, that's like the first reason why I podcast and stuff. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. So did, were you uh, self-taught as far as audio? Because, like, I listen to your show, and it sounds good. You know, uh, you, I, I'm one of the people that if <laughs> I, I'm not to sound arrogant, right, but if I'm going to take my time and listen and watch, I want I know everybody didn't go to school for production, but mm -hmm. take your brand seriously. You know what I mean? Make sure you have, you know, put out the best quality or ask for help the best quality you can get. So and I listened to your show and I'm like, oh, wait, this this sounds good. The way it's put together. So did you teach yourself how to edit? Did you take a class, an online class or University of YouTube? Or I taught myself, bro. You okay. know? Like um, I, I train my own voice to do it. You know what I mean? Because I don't have a pop filter on my microphone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even my early shows was all off my iPhone and I was just talking like this. If you notice, like you didn't really hear nothing crazy. My early shows before I started doing like, you know, the Zooms and stuff like that, you know, you never really hear nothing crazy. I just train my voice, especially when I know I'm going to say the letters P and 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 um B, you know, anything that got that pop with it and stuff that I know how to train myself not to talk like that. And then like, you know, uh, I know some and then sometimes when it's animated, I step away from the mic. You know what I'm saying? Then when it's when, it, when we chilling. I'll get a little bit closer and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? I try to adjust my own levels myself and stuff. So I'm self-made with it. With editing, I'm sometimes I don't even edit the show, especially on Zoom, because it's literally right there. You know, only time I edit is if like, you know, somebody's messing up or something like that, or or um, you know, any little accident thing like that. So I have a pad with me and I'll write down the time 
if the time is up there on the ticker, I write down the time and then I'll be like, all right, edit 15 minutes and 11 seconds in or whatever. Or when I'm on Zoom, I actually have, you can't see the time on Zoom. So I actually press the timer on my phone and then I keep it like that and then edit, you know, 16 minutes, 13 seconds like that. And then I go there and then I'm able to chop it out or whatever. Cause I do the time where it needs to be edited and then the time when we kicking back in. So it was like, you know, stop at 16 minutes and 12 seconds, but we got back at it at 16 minutes and 47 seconds, you know, just cut that little 35 second out and we ready to go and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I self taught myself, I taught myself to edit um, like that. But sometimes on Zoom, it's so easy where I don't edit nothing on Zoom because it's literally, you press record, welcome to the Daniel Test podcast, and then you sign off and you do your thing like that. So, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's how I go about the process of, you know, doing this podcast and thing. Yeah, well, man, keep it up, man. You know, um, you know, before we get out of here, I got to ask you this question, and it could be whether it's podcasting or basketball in life. Uh, the show is called Break It Through the Glass Ceiling. When did Daniel Artest break through the glass ceiling? Um, when you realized you was good at what you did and you realized you was in that space of doing, you know, kind of living your purpose? Um, man, I don't feel like I've broken through the glass ceiling yet because of opportunities, man. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, like I'm good at what I do, but I feel like also that the opportunities when I'm pitching my show to people and I'm just getting ignored. So I feel like the glass is there, I see it. And you see the success on the other side, you know what I mean? But you only see one set of people partying and through that glass, through that glass ceiling, you know what I mean? They dancing up there and they got, you know, you see all the money up there, you see all the success up there too as well, but it's hard. And they just looking down at you like, yo, come on up. You know what I mean? Just break it, you know what I'm saying? But it's really hard to break. So I need somebody else, like you said, lift as you climb and stuff like that. And I need some of these, I need some of these white people to to really, you know, put me in a situation, you know what I mean, where where I can flourish, where every we we all can flourish, we all can flourish and stuff like that. Because think about it, when it comes to this basketball stuff, right? When we're doing these basketball shows and we 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 are the trendsetters, we are we are the culture when it comes to this media stuff. We, when it's black Twitter, you know what I'm saying? For a reason, we break everything. When we make somebody go viral, we make everybody go viral. So now listen, we, we need our own, we need our own thing. That's what I always say, man. Like we always like, I remember um, before I even met Ashley and Ashley has always said, yo, we need more black people in the sports media. I used to tweet it out all the time, yo, we need more black people in the sports, in the NBA media content creation realm and stuff like that because we said everything you know what i'm saying like we 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 get the dollars going you know what i'm saying but we don't run it you know what i'm saying somebody else runs nba twitter but we set the viral moments and stuff like that you know what i mean but somebody else runs it and that's what we need to stop until then that's why i say like for me personally like that glass ceiling hasn't been broken but okay as far as podcasting um I can say I, I broke through the glass when we did the election night show. That was the biggest show I ever did. And we we was just, we wasn't like really talking about the election crazy like that. We were just giving our experiences on why it's important to vote and stuff. You know, you came on, you know what I mean? To give your insight. I had um, Prince Dykes come on to give the financial aspect of voting in the election and stuff and what it does and you know, so that was that was cool, and um, you know we had what forty two thousand people tune in on that show that night. That was the biggest show ever. You was a part of that, man. You mm -hmm. was part of the reason why, you know, because think about it, you came on the show when it was twenty eight thousand, yeah. <laughs> and it went up to forty two at the end. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I tell people this too, man. You'd be surprised who's listening. I'm gonna give a shout out to this guy, Aaron uh, Pepper. I used to work with at Best Buy, and one day he DM me. And he was like, hey, Brian, you know, I've been listening to your show. And he never, like, tweeted about it, like, on his timeline. Um, it's not like we text. But when yeah. I worked, we used to do this thing called ABC News 1. And the way that would work is you we come to work from, well, you either did 2 to 11 or 5 to 2. And you was working in the basement. And you took the highlights um, off the server, send them to ABC News and they could send to the local stations. So let's just say you in Charleston, South Carolina, they didn't send nobody to the um, 
let's just say the uh, Panthers game, but they needed the footage. So they would call the ABC affiliate, the ABC mm-hmm. headquarters. Yeah. So Aaron and I worked together. And when he sent me that, man, it made me feel good. And it's like, you just never know who's listening, who's watching, you know? So I always encourage people, you know, keep doing it, you know, for you keep podcasting, man. Um, you've brought a community of people together. And I only think you, you, you see it, but you might not see it, see it that you brought so many people together, you know, people going, obviously, like, well, oh, it's Daniel Artest, you know, is that Ron's brother or, and then they're going to tune in and they was like, wait, okay, well, I, I like what he got to say, especially because as much as like ESPN and they're getting all those ratings for those hot takes, there are, there's a huge audience out there that's looking for people that just want to talk basketball, who want to talk the game. We see that on Clubhouse. Like you said, when you open up the room and, you know, just basketball, no hot takes and you see that, you know? So, you know, I just want to keep encouraging you, bro. And, you know, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Hey, man, thank you for having you on for real. It was really dope to just talk about certain things and stuff that, like, you know, even with my past and stuff, just I've been holding in and stuff like that. So I know a lot of people are going to be surprised <laughs> when <laughs> podcasts come out. But yeah, man, listen, I'm flawed just like every every other human. I have my issues. I may hide it well and stuff, but, you know, um, I'm just I'm just happy to 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 be able to come on your platform and, and, and talk and, you know, you asking the right question and, you know, you know, you chipping at the old iceberg and chopping it down and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, today just by, you know, t- just watching you, how you interviewing me and how I want to add, you know, you know, that to my game and stuff like that. Just like with basketball, like how I got a little bit of Hakeem Olajuwon or a little bit of LeBron and stuff like that, a little bit of Zion. And, you know, <laughs> so, you know, um, I just like to add, pick and add, a, add into my game and stuff. You know what I mean? So thank you for having me on for real. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, it'd be dope. You know, you get back, once you get back to playing, you know, you do a podcast right after your game, right from the locker room. That's something we, we don't, we don't get that. You know, we, we get the media interviews, but you imagine how dope that would be. You know, I'm pretty sure the NBA got restrictions. So you probably don't get a JJ Reddick interviewing somebody after the game, but you know, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on getting a, a media credential and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, before I'm working hard at it before I push the Bush button and ask Ron and just ask for one for me. <laughs> hey, look, man. I need, 10, I need 10 of them so we could <laughs> all of us could be on the um pros game Zoom and ask these questions to these NBA players. There's not the same cookie cutter questions, but the questions that they're gonna want to answer and stuff, man. You know, <laughs> you know, that's key. Um it's key for us to get in there because of that like people will want to say okay what you know they they because at the end of the day the reason why there's this big i don't want to say beef but a distrust with the media is because writers like to spin the narratives you know you go back to when sean taylor died and michael wilborn made you know created this narrative that sean taylor was out gangbanging and then they came to haunt him, not listening. And it was somebody who he had employed using his black power and, you know, to employ somebody. And they, you know, they did him dirty. And that's the issue. When you have these narratives and these people creating these narratives, that's the thing that people don't like. You know, I was never great at basketball, but I like talking about the game. I like, okay, well, let's talk about this. And then I can do an interview with somebody. I'm going to ask them these questions. I'm not, I don't feel like, well, because I couldn't play, I got to talk bad and talk down about this player. You know, Uh, I think somebody said it like, you can't say a a basketball player is a bum because the worst, the number, you know, the last player on the ranking list will go on a street game and dominate. They are professionals for a reason. You know, exactly. the same with football, you know, so um, I, 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 that's the one thing about social media and podcasts. You do have people who feel comfortable to make these egregious statements. Um, but there's people out there like you, like me, who just want to ask those, you know, intelligent questions yeah. and relatable questions, you yeah. know. That's all. That's all we want to do. And, and, you know, but it's going to be it's, it's funny because, you know, podcasting, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that's blowing up. 
And you know, these other reporters, they all have communications degrees and stuff like that. So, you know, they ain't trying to let no podcaster in, to be honest. And I understand that. It's like, wait a minute. I went to school for this. You know what I'm saying? Then here you are coming in here like that. You know what I mean? So I, I totally understand. But we ain't trying to, you know, step on. But I know I'm not trying to step on nobody else's toes and stuff. But I also feel at the same time, like, you know, you know, podcasters need to be answering these questions because social media is there now. And then when when people go viral, is people with no degrees that go viral for people that on, on the same genres with, with people that have degrees on. So I think everybody should have a, a piece of the pie, a seat at the table or something like that. This, this has always been my thing, right? You only listen to an episode once. So yeah. it's not like you're going to keep listening to the same episode. Most of us are only going... You know, it depends on you, you know, two or three times a week, right? So somebody can finish my show, you know, after they finish your show and then go to Ashley's show and go to Kelsey's show and go to Renee's show. It's enough time in the week to do all of that, you know? So therefore it's no need to tear somebody down, you know, like we said, you know, lift as you climb. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree with you on that. And yeah, you're right. There's definitely no reason to tear anybody down man and um so like i'm i'm, I'm not with it so if it, if it comes near me i'm not for it man i just i just keep it moving and and and, and just you know do the show that i want to do <laughs> mm-hmm. uh let the people know where they can find you i know i kind of went over my time <laughs> um you can follow me at day artist pod on instagram and twitter also you can follow the podcast network that I've created called 265 Media. You can find you can find that on Instagram and Twitter as well. I also have a Facebook group called, called 265 Media, where you know I mean we're looking for other podcasts outside of basketball. So 265 Media is not a basketball podcast media network. I'm looking for everybody, you know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. That being said, man, thank you for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on, bro. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that interview, that conversation with Daniel Artes. It was definitely one I really enjoyed myself as Daniel and I have talked more in forums and it's always been a basketball conversation, but this is the first time we got to have a true one-on-one conversation. Next week, I have another podcaster I'm bringing on, and that is my good friend Nico Sozio. Nico is a former world champion in wrestling. Yes, professional wrestling crosses over from uh, the wrestling realm on to breaking through glass ceilings, and I'm excited to bring Nico on as he will discuss his career, how he got into pro wrestling, and made a transition into podcasting himself so make sure you tune into that ladies and gentlemen we are back season three so i'm very excited about this if you're out there remember folks don't let nobody set up a ceiling that you can't break through and make sure y'all visit the website bewatersproductions.com you can get you a b waters productions mug support the brand only 16 bucks This podcast was recorded and edited by B Waters Productions. The music by Hypno Beats. Make sure you follow him at Hypno underscore Beats with a Z on Instagram.